Hello, welcome back to Flights Through Alakazia. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Woohoo. Sorry. We <laughs> have done our Friday night usual. I've been partying very hard all night long. Me just bartending, watching people party all night long. Um, but no, we're actually full shit. of it. A little, actually, I'm, I'm pretty good of energy right now. I'm doing pretty good. That's right. <laughs> Armin's feeling better, which is a best thing ever. When I was editing the last one, I realized how <laughs> la- like how much lack of energy there was in the episode, and I apologize so much because it was just Sorry so dead. But Armin's feeling great. He is doing better. He sounds better. He just sounds really tired. So that's not he's not super sick like he was last time. He's just tired. Yes, so. yes, we're do- we're doing better. Antibiotics, wonderful thing. We're doing great. Thank you again for all your support. Go find us on Facebook. Go find us on Twitter. I do believe I'm going to start uh, taking down our subreddit uh, page. So if that's where you find us, go find us on Facebook and Twitter instead. That's where all the updates are going to be. Um, I'm going to put that on like a mass post thing on Reddit too, just so people know. And I'm going to say it again on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, and hey, please go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and write a review. I try to listen. I read all of our reviews, and we fixed the one problem we had, which was we didn't do weekly. And here we are doing weekly. So yeah. it's not like we don't listen. So please go out there and write something that you feel like you would like or this podcast lack instead of and just put it out there and i'll be glad to try and reach out to you if it's something we can't do or if it's something we can do i'll talk to armin about it and we'll get it going with that note armin and i are doing great unlike aragon at the end of this section which we'll get to which is another big cringe moment as always i think we should have like an echoing where it's just like you know how like when people do like live streams and stuff they're like is it cringe or is it super cringe type of thing because, oh my uh, gosh. Oh no boy. It's no, a little bit late for no. that. But that's okay. That's okay. Sorry. We're going to start we'll right at the top. Chapter 45, the beginning of wisdom. Armin, take it away. First of all, can we just acknowledge how great of a chapter title this is in terms of what is in the chapter? Fantastic. Beginning of wisdom, just nice. So, first point actually that I want to talk about is pretty little, which is just well done, Paolini. You know how at the very beginning he starts it off with talking about the passage of time and days going by. Yes. So it's really easy to indicate the passage of time by saying just the days and the nights blurred together all weeks. It's an easy way to say, look, readers, time passed. It's also a little risky to use that in the middle of a section or a chapter because it just seems like very whimsical. It seems like there's not much thought put into it. It's just thrown in there because the author needs time to pass. By putting it at the beginning of the chapter, Halini sort of shows us that time is passing because we need to know that because, once again, we're working with two separate storylines here. But by putting it at the beginning, he allows us to learn that, to know that, and then moves on into more detail about what's actually happening in the story. So just a nice little placement of where stuff is to keep his story flowing without having a weird passage of time in between. 
Yeah, I so, definitely know, and I recognize that too. In other writing, now that you're mentioning this one in particular, again, like I said, I've re- I'm rereading a lot of the books I've already read, such as Harry Potter, and J.K. does not the greatest job in this. And she always talks about how like the months went by, the days got colder, and like she'd put that kind of like weirdly in there, like not at the beginning of the chapter, so it makes sense. And so, of course, it's, like. If you're gonna like put that a lot, then like don't always put it at the beginning of the chapter. There's stylistic just like stuff to do. But in terms of passage of time, Pallian uses it sparingly and he uses it as well placed when he does. Very well placed. And I also believe that, you know, it's one of those things that that he realized or he learned or someone helped him um understand. And with the way he's the style of writing he's doing where he's taking different points of view from different areas of the world from different characters it's very good for him to be very precise about the timelines for each of the characters because like if he went right back to the uh the varden right now he would have to do a kind of thing like this where the months board by or something like that to show that time also is up to date with what is happening elsewhere and so i think it's just very good of him to make sure the reader understands that they're not three different very times. They're, you know, they're kind of going all at the same time of year and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Just, once again, Pallini's planning, his execution of said planning, fantastic. What are we on? On point. Cringe point number one. Oh, yes. All right, buddy. No. Just, just, just. I mean... If she broke the magical painting that you made for her. She doesn't want an apology, dude. dude I mean, don't don't follow her around. Yeah, don't that was bring, weird. Don't bring her flowers. And, and, and don't, for the love of all things holy, don't go through her stuff. Yeah, what the is happening like, there? Why? Why was that a thing? Why is that even your thought process, dude? You are being more than a stalker now. Like, it is almost on the verge of serial killer. It is bad. Yeah, it is. Just, first of all, first of all, it's not my inclination to go into people's houses if they're not there. I know you and I make that exception, but well, yeah, um, we're in the South. If you don't know this, people, people fair. in the South, half the time don't even lock their doors. Most of the time, know who's going to come in and out of their house at random times. For example, from the times of 6 a.m. to about 3.30 a.m., yeah, you know, yeah. a solid yeah. 21 yeah. hours, I'm able to walk into Armin's house whenever. And his parents are usually just like, expect that because it's just the way our life is <laughs> red red's family locks the door so they always have a knock so that's why i never go there super late but if i do go there super late i just text like hey yo i'm coming open the door but yeah. you know besides like it's just a thing in the south but if you were in the situation that aragon is in no no just no no, oh, no, especially no. Like, it is that moment. It, I have this moment every time I watch the movies, like horror films, or like read a book. I got this like 
nerve-wracking feeling in my stomach every time someone does something where they're not like where they're in a place that they're not supposed to. So if you ever watch the like the TV show White Collar or any type or TV or TV show Psych, when Sean or the main character in uh, White Collar Neil uh, goes into a place they're not supposed to and like tries to find something and you just know someone's about to come in the room. Exactly. That's that feeling. This is that feeling exactly. that I have right here. Again, Helene does an amazing job of making sure you get that feeling across. But this is that moment where oh, I'm yeah. just like, yeah. dude. We're supposed to be uncomfortable with this. I think. I mean, maybe. maybe yeah, I wanna, it, but. There, there's going to be a lot. I'm so glad. Because a part of me was like, and I hate to say it, so it's not much to talk about in air. Like book one. Let's just be honest here. Yeah. You know, you get the storyline, da, da, da. Book two, there's a fuck ton to talk about. And I'm oh, yeah. glad that we have the possibility of talking to Pelini again about this. Yes, because there are so many fucking questions we gotta ask him. Yeah, I, if that is his intention, he does an excellent job making us uncomfortable when Aragon gets lovesick. But I don't just, just to, especially like, don't read her poetry. That's such a, that's such a, such a cliche. Um, oh, also, I was very surprised that Arya didn't throw something at him when she did walk in on him reading her shit. Me too. The, me too. I am surprised there's no rage monster here. Like yeah, from Dude Perfect? Like, not where I was going with that. Okay. <laughs> if you know if you know Dude Perfect, everyone, you know, the stereotype videos, he always has the rage monster. Just saying. Oh, especially with the reaction that Arya has given Aragon pass for not breaking into her house. Oh my gosh. Yes. This is oh, like okay. a different level and it's okay. So, which broke the question I actually want your opinion on the apology that Aragon gives Arya. In terms of how apologies go, it was a pretty good one. It was decent, yeah. I would say he just he has the points. He said, I'm sorry. He states why. And he says how he would rather change and do better and, and be different. And then apologizes again. It's a perfect. So, it's, a, it's an apology sandwich. Simple or not. Uh, and his situation, ordinarily, no. Okay. I would think it's you know it's very logical that you want to make sure to be friends, you make sure you don't want to like yeah. You know you want to make sure the other person feels still comfortable and you don't have this awkwardness. Given Aragon's dumbassery of history with this woman <laughs> dude ah oh. i agree i agree like there is an appropriate time for an apology such as that and that time is close to when he did it however after having broken into said apartment of arias yeah. going through her stuff and okay i think this is more of a personal move on flowers but uh, and the flowers thing the don't bring the flowers, dude. Just don't bring the oh, flowers. Never. Don't see. Because you know why? I, the reaction that Arya has is the reason why. Yeah. Okay. This is personal opinion. You might differ on this, but I will never bring flowers to someone if, like, flowers are like a happy thing. Like, sympathy flowers are just not sympathy flowers. That's not the right word, but. Atonement flowers are just not the way to go. Well, I think it's like, I think in his eyes, 
Okay, I kind of this is this is going deep into symbolism here. Not that deep, actually. I don't that deep. Let's be honest here. Uh, it's gonna go from like flowers during this time period is like a rebirth of a friendship, I guess. And so, like, Honestly, no, it's not a reach. That's that's not a reach. That's pretty, pretty. So, solid. like, I get that's. I guess that's where he's trying to come from. Just like, a little by dude symbolism. Hey there... man, hey, because I know how to. What's the right words to say here? Uh, get out of a decently dumb situation I put myself in. I know the strategies <laughs> to be able to use and. Get myself back into the right way. <laughs> uh, we can just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, Aragon, buddy. You just you just got to shot this one. Yeah. Which is weird. It's like we were all thinking it. You know, like, it's kind of the natural inclination to try and ship Aragon and Arya. And not saying that that's completely off the table. But, um... I mean, I think that's like... I mean, especially after this last chapter, I think it's oh. pretty far off the table. Dude, he, you know what he does every single time he does something? You know what he's doing? This is, this is, this is what he's doing. He has just one more circle loop on the noose at the top. He just adds another little circle on the noose. Little, like, sooner or later, he's just going to, like, be done. Like, he's just going to, like, yeah, it's just going to be bad. Real bad. And, like, I'm surprised it's not yet. I mean, don't get me wrong. This last chapter was, whoo! But, uh, still. Yeah, so I don't we, think, I, I think he's we'll still going to be too dumb. Well, we can talk more about Aragon's yeah. romantic inclinations after the last chapter and the very certain and inescapable sometimes thing called the friend zone. So, uh, yeah. moving on, moving on. Small little detail. I love the detail about the lip balm. Fantastic. Just like a little thing thrown in there. It's like saying that, uh, like using hazelnut and oil to clear his lips so that it doesn't chafe. Yeah. It's like a small little detail thrown in there because yeah, the woods are in the north, like they're they're cold. Yeah, and it makes sense that you know, or, exactly. or like it makes sense. And Polini just does a good job of like making sure like reality is still there, realism, yeah. like being realistic about this, not just like oh yeah, it's freezing cold. Their lips never a chaff, you know. Yeah, but it's not it's something like, we never we never think of naturally, but. That little detail just adds that extra sense of this is happening. Like it just adds that it's just that extra sense of realistic yeah. to the uh, or to, of realism to this whole story. All right, Glader. Oh boy, Glader takes Sphere and Aragon to teach them. Also, first of all, just off the bat, I was getting hella Parthenax vibes from Glader. Uh, for all any of you Sky, I'm not even sure if any of you are Skyrim fans, but uh, oh, there's a couple out there. But I think. <laughs> you cannot tell me that Parthenax on the mountain was not the exact same conversation we had with Glader. Yeah. Which is, it's fun because they're both archetypal in the sense of like, you know, the old knowledge, but um, it's still, it's fantastic. I was very excited that us as readers are finally getting to learn some of Glader's teachings instead of just Safira, who's been kind of separate from us this entire time. Me but, too. I'm also just a sucker for the ancient knowledge trope. I absolutely love it. No, you guys don't have any idea how bad of a sucker he is for this stuff. Yeah. It is just like impressive. Yeah. The concept of like the deep or like the ancient unknown is just I I love it so much. Armin 
So again, like you said, I think in the previous episode this past summer, he just kind of stuck all his time into Destiny or Skyrim. Yes. The amount of lore there is in those, one is amazingly ridiculous oh, yeah. for a for a video game. Put it out there. But two, Armin knows a pretty good amount of it. So for me, who just likes playing the game, I can just get random fun facts every time we play with Armin because that's all he knows. Okay, to be fair, to be fair. To be fair, what? You ask for half of those random fun facts. You know you like giving those random fun facts. I do. I do like giving those random fun facts. However, you ask for them. Although I did give a bit of a shout out. Uh, There's no way that he'll ever see this, but the YouTuber, my name is Byth, is where I get most of my stuff. So, um, YouTube, say it again. Yeah. The YouTuber, my name is Byth, is where I get most of my stuff. Just credit where credit's due. Credit where credit is due. That is fair. But, that is fair. Anyway. Yes. Ma'am. That was really cool. What do you think about this? Okay. We already know, like, the bond between Dragon Rider thing. That, 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 yeah, yeah. That's a thing. We already knew that. I love Paolini's creativity and how he sets it up. The concept that he imposes of there being not only races changing each other forever. But the fact that they're tied together, because like we never knew that they went this deep with the bond that they made when they made the magical pact between the elves and the dragons. Like that is not something. If the dragons are on the decline, then so are the races of elves and humans. Yeah. But they called attention to the point, and I, they just kind of hit a different way with me that the dwarves are technically not on the decline because they didn't make the pact with the dragons. Yeah. So they called attention to it and maybe just, like, it was very subtle and it was very, it just wasn't too obvious. Yeah. But I feel like, like, in the long run, if, in the the long run, if Aragon is victorious over Galbatorix, which I feel like we can safely say he might be, or if that happens and dragons start to come back, does that mean that elves and humans who were already the dominant races on the earth will stop being on a decline and go like start expanding again? Yeah. If it doesn't, does that mean that the dwarves will emerge as the more dominant race now, like Isia in the far future? I love that concept. Or just the idea that them being separate is important. I just Pally's creativity for that is fantastic. So another thing, major Galby point. We haven't talked about Galbatorix in a hot second. I love we this thrown in here. I just want to say I love this fact that we get. Oh yeah. First, I feel like we already knew Galbatorix's dragon's name. I just got a little bit of a fresher shrieking. Shrieking. Shrukan. Shrukan. I don't know. What about the eye? What about the eye in there? Um, eye is silent. <laughs> The eyes silent. Get the fuck out of here. What? <laughs> it could be. The eyes silent. You don't know. Um, this ain't okay, Indiana ready? Jones, you my ready? guy. You ready? You ready? Then it's Shrewicon. It's like Pikachu, but a dragon. How is Pikachu anything like Shrewicon? Uh, because there's a random vowel that's pronounced louder than everything else. Yeah. It's just most other words in the English language. Yeah, but you say it like Pikachu. Pikachu, right? So it's 
Shrewy Khan. Man, that just gives me like PTSD of your brother when he did the bird dude and. Oh God, no! Please don't bring that up. Okay. No. My brother. The. Uh, no, yeah, fit. Move it on. I feel like Move, context it. is required. Hey, okay, you ready? You want context? Go back to the tabletop talk we have with Faith. It's all right there. Fair. Fair. Go, Go find it. it. Scavenger hunt for your morning. Or whatever else you're It's mixed in the D and D talk of the most of the whole entire interview. So please go back, listen to it, find it there. We've talked about it. It's there. Move it on. Yes. So I love this point. One, we haven't talked really about the nature of Gabatorx in a hot second. So um we could have guessed this. Like this is not something that is overly novel. It's just calling it to attention. So the distinction between Diabatorix having an actual connection with his dragon and having a fictitious one with his second dragon is just, I have no idea what it means. It's just very interesting to consider because it makes you wonder how he did it. And they reference that a bit in the actual, when they're actually talking about it, is how does Galvatorix, how has his lifespan been increased by this dragon who didn't choose him? And who did uh, who did Truken, Truken, sorry, I have a friend from Sheboygan, so it kind of makes me like want to <laughs> say it like Shruken, but um, uh, so Shruken, how, how does, Shru. Shru, okay, yeah. That's how, a new nickname for him, guys, just be understandable with that. The Galvatorx kill Shrew's rider? Like, who okay, I want to think. Shrew picked. Well, it's very clear that Galvatorx, like, twisted him into this position like well, he that's, like, what, and I, yeah, that's what glader says now glader might be in the position to know that glader also might be biased in thinking that a dragon can't do that on its own free will but in terms of fantasy and in terms of archetypes and familiars and how that usually works usually the evil person has a familiar that's just as evil I'm about to say, you know what this is like? This is a very similar to Star Wars with Anakin and uh, the Chancellor. You know, he has, he is, he has shown him, lack of better words, the way. And so he therefore, you know, has convinced Shrew to come to his side during the Forsworn and Morzin's reign, you know? Um, and so therefore, you know, this one dragon is, you know, there you know this dragon is able to i'm of a slightly different mindset that the dragon is the emperor Ooh. so um there's a bunch of different like things we could reference with that one could be the palpatine anakin dynamic the other could be i know none of y'all have read this because none of y'all have uh, called on it out in the email of it but in the broken blade series book four uh, there's a Kitsune in her familiar nine-celled fox. And the fox is the depraved evil one. Okay. So it's not uncommon to have the... If there's an evil character, a villainous character, to have their familiar, their animal bond, being the evil one that showed them it. So first inclination, just off the bat gut reaction, not saying that this is true in any way, shape, or form, because Paladini's laws of his universe could be different. But 
my first inclination is to think that Shrukin or Shru taught Galbatorix what Galbatorix knows and how he does that and how he recreated his bond. Because if there is ever a well of hidden knowledge, it's Galbatorix wouldn't have found it without the dragons. Right. If there's also a way to hunt down the dragons, Galbatorix would have had a much easier time doing it with an insider's knowledge. That is true. So I'm of the mindset. Now, of course, Glader does say that Galbatorix twisted Shrukin's mind. And like Twist basically right. is forcing Shrukin through this. I think that Glader can be biased in that sense. Right. And I like think that saying. it's very I think it's very possible that sh- that true is what changed Galbatorix. In a sort of mad attracts mad kind of way. Entirely possible the other way too. That Galbatorix is controlling true and did twisted true in some way, shape, or form. That also I'm not saying that that is not a possibility, or also not a probability, because Glader did say it. Right. I'm saying that it is also a possibility that it's not Galbatorix that Tristan true. It's the other way around. Okay. Also, we have seen uh, with the wild dragons in this one that not all dragons are of the same mindset. They're immensely powerful. They're immensely knowledgeable. They're very wise. That doesn't mean there can't be an evil one. Right. They're evil in our regard of the word. I just love how, again, I mean, Charles Pellini for throwing this in here of like the fun facts you get randomly throughout the storylines of, you know, Galbatorx and everything and the different point of views of each character, you know? And so I wondered, I really wonder if, if Aragon cut his head out of his ass in book one about the Razak and everything, would he have asked Brom for more in depth about Galvatorx and a past because obviously he was very knowledgeable. Granted, he still didn't trust him because he didn't realize he was a writer till he was dead and stuff like that. But like you know, the point is, is that it, you know there, Brom has the title had the title of storyteller. Yeah. So you know, even if even if Brom wasn't who Brom is, you know, a dragon writer. And you know the one who killed Morzin and everything. How like some of his stories must be have some truth in them, you know. You, you know most. It's so therefore why not try and learn as much? I mean, don't get me wrong. He definitely learned what he needed to learn in terms of simple magic and stuff like that. But at the same time, he could have learned history about the world so he could have, you know, been more knowledgeable about what is happening and stuff. I don't think we're done with Brum yet. Okay, I think some uh, something else from Brom's past or like some more hidden knowledge will come up. I don't. I do not think the Palini is done with him or at least his legacy. Right. But also, just fantastic word choice. Scalvatorix's depraved imitation of a bond with his dragon. That's just a really nice that not nice, but that was a really raw way of putting that. That was that was stellar word choice right there. Uh. So, one last thing for this section. I tend to agree with Safira's point of view on the whole 
whole meat thing. I'm very sorry, vegetarians or vegans or other people with dietary preferences or restraints, but, but meat. Meat. Yeah. I, I like meat. meat. I can't lie. To us. So I tend to agree with Safir. It's like, yeah, it died. I don't care. I'm eating it. Oh, um, yeah. I do get, I do want to say, the whole important thing about this section is not really the whole meat. It's that Aragon's learning restraint. Now, I don't, I really could not care at all about restraint on meat because clearly I don't have it. But um, I mean, I it's not that that I want to focus on. It's Aragon's choice to limit everything else that he has the power to do that would be detrimental to him or severe. Because he's beginning to understand he has the power to make stuff happen. And his disgust with himself over being easily able to kill all the rabbits shows that he's beginning to learn what magic's really about. Or at least that he is responsible for his power now that he knows how much he has. That's not really something he's noticed before because it's always been, is he strong enough to do the spell required? Now, he's of a different mindset being he knows that he's strong enough to do arcane shit. Yeah, it's how much control he has over himself to not do and not give into his desires. Oh yeah, which is a big point for him because Aragon has been very self-centered throughout most of the books, but him consciously consciously making this choice to restrain what he knows he can do but won't be good for him or Safira or people around him is a step in like he's get he's growing up. He's becoming more mature. He's learning more about magic. And interestingly enough, him and Roran are going in opposite directions. Yeah. Roran is doing the exact opposite. Roran knows how knows what he wants and knows how to get it and won't stop using that. Yeah. And it's and, and personally, I always thought Roran would have been like the bigger person, I guess, a lack of better words here. Yeah. And, you know, Aragorn to be the foolish one. And it's just, it's great to see this progression of regression of each character um, going through everything that they're going through. And I wonder if it's the roles of Aragorn and Roran kind of switch. I'm not saying Roran ever had to be really the leader, but, you know, he... He definitely wasn't always just the follower back in book one. And so, yeah. you know, he, he hit a lot of, you know, make a lot of calls and stuff like that, you know, when him, Murtaugh, and, um, you know, he's taking Arya to the Varden and everything like that. And so it was very interesting for him to be able to go from that to where he is. And Warren going from just frustration of Aragorn leaving his, yeah. to having to lead his whole entire village on a adventure and pretty yeah. much um and so it's just i guess i wonder if it's more due to the situation they're put in i'm not saying it's only due to that and that's an excuse but a big part of that might be their role that they have had the difference in the roles that they've yeah. had since the beginning of each book i do think it is like it's far easier to deny yourself something when you're in comfort um, which sounds counterintuitive because, you know, if you're surrounded by comfort, you want to take part in it. But 
it's far easier to make that decision when you're not desperate. Yeah. And Roran is desperate. So not commenting on like which one's the better character. No, we're that's we're not going there, or at least I'm not. But um that is we're getting development from Aragon. Yeah. Because well, part of that is is that Aragon's in a safe, protected place where he's supposed to grow. Right. Roran is out to the wolves trying to survive. Yeah. He's doing what he needs to. Aragon has not really Aragon's had to struggle with his injury. And the weight of Galvatorix is still on his shoulders, but he's not had to deal with a threat. Yeah. In a long time. Yeah. So I think that's a little social commentary there. But we'll see how they go. Next section is Roran's, and I definitely want to get into a bit more leadership stuff with that, just to see how Tyrim goes with Roran and Clovis and all of Carvel. All right, moving on to these chapters, chapter 24, uh, 46. Oh, let's get something 46. else to say. Yes. No, uh, for Broken Egg and Scattered Nest. Yes. Was not expecting that for one. Okay. So Last chapter. Last chapter. Broken Egg and Scattered Nest. Later. Well, comes last back. chapter. Sorry, everyone. It's next chapter. Yes. We still have two more. Third, or second chapter of the four that we did today. Uh, one that was interesting to me. Glader, like uh, the dynamic form is waiting for Glader to be ready before healing him. Kind of weird. I don't think but so. I, I, I get how it's like, uh, I get how it's like. I think, I don't know, it shows a good level of respect between Ormus and Glader. I think it also shows, you know, the difference in, honestly, worlds where, you know, in today's world, if someone's seriously hurt or injured, we rush to their aid, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you see it in sports. You see it in, you know, on the playground in kindergarten, you know, and, and everything like that. You just, everyone rushes to it, and it can be very overwhelming for that person. And so, you know, I think Orem is here, you know, like you said, shows a level of respect and, you know, shows him that, you know, he doesn't have to force – um, glad you to help, you know, it, and granted, it helps Aragon too. Because let's be honest here if he came close and Ormus came close and glad didn't want it, well, Ormus yeah. might not be the best situation for that, you know, and yeah. so it, it, yeah. it can end up pretty bad. So it might do just to with to do with just the way you know a dragon compared to a human's like level and stuff like that, or like strength and everything more so than respect you know maybe he's learned from his past that you know it's not a good idea to rush right into things because i will get completely sideswiped all the way across fucking yeah. Mera. so yeah you know it, it, it's that situation but yeah yeah regardless Sephira has tried to or wants to rebuild the dragon race with later right it's flat or rejected which does suck. And then she goes and attacks him in her anger. I, I actually, I, I appreciate this section. It's a little out of the blue. It's a little strange. It is a continuation of Sophia's obsession with Glader, which we get earlier. Yes. But it's also a good, several good points for her character. One of which, uh, sorry, a lot of which are parallel to Aragon. One, she gets rejected. 
Aragon's been rejected like five times now. Yeah, I think it's a little bit understatement. That's fair. Two, she makes a mistake. Safira doesn't make many mistakes. Nope. Three, it shows us that she's still dragging or not. She's still a very young person to her race. Same yeah. same with Aragon. Yeah. And also, she learns to apologize. Like, that's Ar- one. Aragon's advice in this is great. Oh, yeah. But Safira, uh, he tells Safira to go apologize and work from there. And it's kind of a, a fun, like, trust me moment. It'll work because he had to do the same thing with Ormus. Bring him flowers. He'll love it. Oh, God, no. But uh, <laughs> Sorry. I just, I like this dynamic because Ar- when Aragon and Safira make mistakes, they make them alternate. They alternate making mistakes so that the other one's always there to pick the other, the one that made the mistake up. Which works. It's a good dynamic and it is helping us still understand that Safira is very young. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, and he even, and she, sorry, not he, Safira, correct me if I'm wrong, knows that she was, for lack of better words, destined to mate with one of the two eggs. She feels it. Yeah, she feels it. I don't know if that's a uh, like a guarantee. Yeah, but like at I the same, that's... yeah, it's just one of those things. I'm like very like, if you kind of have this lack, if you already have this kind of knowledge, and more not knowledge, but feeling or yeah. inclination, I think is the right word there. Um, it just, it, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> I just think this is a big learning curve for Safira, and I'm glad, and I'm very happy that it's here in this book and and where it is. I think that, you know, there's a lot of times in the past where she could have had to have to learn, but it wasn't necessarily the right time, if that makes sense. And so, like, in terms of writing style and stuff like that, Bellini does an amazing job here of making sure we as a reader understand how big of a situation she is in, one. And two, exactly how much, you know, there is to grow, like you were saying, how young she is and how young both Aragon and her are comparatively and how much, you know, they have to grow in terms of everyone, in terms of not just themselves, but, you know, if you take any of the elves that are there or, you know, Gladier or Galbatorix, for instance, you know, it's just crazy to think how young they are. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's the, here's my thinking. And you come to, this is a random fact that I just realized talking about age and everything. How the fuck does Galbatorix not know that they're dead? How does he not know they're dead? They're alive. Sorry. Uh, not not Saphir, not Saphir and Aragon, but or a missing Gladier. Because, Honestly, I don't know. Because like, if you think about it, if if he if he was around, you know, and he kind of saw the dragons rise up and everything, he knew these writers. Unless they somehow faked their death, which might be a thing. Happy. 
Gabatorg should have knowledge that Ormus is a dragon rider and Gladier is his dragon. And they are a lot. Like, I guess this, just like, that just makes sense to me. Unless Jokes he believes that. Huh? Jokes on you. Ormus is Gabatorg. I know. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I get it. Gladier is true. That's why the golden dragons on the cover of Prisinger and not this one. You know what it is, right? This is that moment in Harry Potter when uh, Barty Crouch Jr. takes the Polyjuice Potion to be Mad-Eye and then yeah. just teaches Harry to do all, like, like teaches him defense against all dark magic at all yeah. times. That's this moment. Just to see how he can at least train someone to fight him, you know, at a reasonable you know, level. But, yep. but my point is, is that like, I don't get I just, I hope that's explained personally. I really do. Yeah, that's yeah. all. I guess I realized that, and I just kind of, it finally, like, now that I realize, it kind of annoys me. So it, it probably will be explained. Yeah. It'll probably come up at some point. Yeah. But with the Aragon and Sephira thing, I'm very glad they come, they become more touched. She, you know, ex, you know, knows her for ways or what she's done wrong. And everything so it's just it's a good growing moment for them oh, you know yeah, these past two chapters and then aragon goes fucks it up later in the session but we'll get to that all right chapters 47 and 48 the gifts of dragons in a starry glade dude this is a ball-ass party it is there's honestly not that much to talk about like there's not but that's okay it was an in, in the description of Honestly, I can't really describe it. Y'all just gotta go read it. If you haven't, if you do, then you know what we're talking about. The description of the, and I'm not gonna pronounce it right. Agate Bloodrum? I don't know. Agate Bloodrum. I think it's what it was. Maybe? I don't Still, know. the description of this entire festival is insane. Same with all of the gifts that everybody brings. It like, is crazy. It's like it is. everyone. You know, it's just a rave. Let's just be honest here. It's yeah, a rave. It is very revelrous. Yes. Um, yeah, that's all it is. So, you know, it's honestly, there's not really any way to put in words how to describe this. It's just extremely well written, extremely well formatted, structured, and it's just, it's a good time, man. I feel like my but, old roommate, Matt, you remember him? I do. I believe, I, do he, I believe he would be in this, at this party. And he, Facts. he would be, yeah. I know, I know my fiance understands what I'm talking about because she roomed with him for a bit too with me, but it, it was... That was a fun time. Let's just put it this way. He's a law student who smoked every day. Hence why he was a law student. It was, um, it was impressive. That's it. But, but... Regardless. Yeah. Regardless. It's a nice little... I don't know. Beforehand, though, just a nice little... Just a nice little plug. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times <laughs> at the very beginning of the chapter. I really like that. I'm glad you put that in there. That was funny. <sighs> um, and also, when Aragorn's writing his poem, just a nice little plug of writer's flow. Uh, I really, I bet Balini had a good time writing that or I'll describing bet. what it was like to get that rush because that rush is fun. I love to see the advancement in his education. I know it's like very like interesting to say, but like if you think about it, back in book one, I mean he didn't even know how to read. He didn't know how to write. You know, he just yeah, 
knew how to negotiate for the meat for some random meat, you know, like he just knew. Yeah. And so, you know, here he, you know, sh- it shows that he has progressed in that knowledge and taken it and done a thing with it. I would say a great thing, but let's be honest here. It's, it's okay. Um, we'll talk about that. <laughs> so, yeah. And what do you think about Saphir's present? Oh my God. That was so cool. I know. That was so cool. I was like, don't. Also, also, I like that Oric is included in all of this. We haven't really gotten much with Oric, but I'm really glad that he gives a gift as well and he uh, partakes in all of this. Like, that was a nice little touch just of how he's still integrated. Yeah. But, um, Aragon is turned into an elf. What? But you didn't see that coming. Fuck it, eh? So, like, it is. Okay, cool. Let's be honest here. First off, the woman with the dragons on the dragon on them. That God was really cool. Damn. That was just that like, was a really cool description. That was a really cool scene to have described. And like I can imagine everything that was going on, which is really cool. Yeah. But yeah, wake up. Sophia's like, oh yeah, go look at yourself in the mirror. Okay. And this boy is an elf? That was it was really cool. It was really well described. And we knew that he'd transform slowly into an elf. I didn't know that that would be it. But he's also, like, he's not fully elven. No, he's not. He kind of is. And his back's healed. I Everything's key, healed. Everything's I low-key have a problem with that. I have a big problem with that. I thought that would be a psychological thing that he has to work through. It's just healed for him now. I think... I'm in the same mindset of what he first thinks, you know, oh man, all my memories, all my, you know, experiences I've had are gone, you know, and I would be annoyed about it. It's the same thing with, you know, again, once again, we're going to do some good Harry Potter analogies here. Cause why not? You know, Albus Dumbledore, you know, in book one of Harry Potter, literally chapter one, the boy who lived, you know, he, he McGonagall, Professor McGonagall tries to ask him, you know, can't you do anything about that scar on his forehead? And he goes, I mean, even if I could, I wouldn't. I mean, granted, he goes on to say, you know, he has a perfect scar of the un- of the underground, but it's not the point. The point is, is that yeah, yeah. he, you know, he realizes that, you know, scars are what make and like help people learn and realize and you know tell stories about their life and you know it's it, for me I, i'm a very country boy i like all the dings and rust on the truck that i had as oh bad as it God. as bad as it ran come on now it was a good what i liked every ding and rust on it i just am at the goddamn fairground hey Another time. Uh, I had a baseball game that night. Why'd you go? Because you called me. Then why'd you just send your dad? Because I was tired of doing work at 3 a.m. Well, then that's on you. Yeah, I know. Um, Chip may or may not have called me at 3 a.m. one night to go pick him up from the... I think uh, they gathered the story. I think they gathered the story. 40 miles away for his truck that had broken down the second time that week. Uh, it's okay. 
Uh, that was a truck that we usually like, hit with a football. The door would pop open and the engine would start. I mean, you're giving it too much credit there, man. I think it would just start if you looked at it. <laughs> I don't, well, don't phrase that. I don't think you'd even start half the time. That's fair. That's very fair. Didn't, like, you, hold the, uh, didn't you hold the bottom axle together with a rubber band? No. The time, no, the time the spoke was coming off the side that it rusted through. All I remember is I put a wrench down there <laughs> and I clutched it there and something was held in, held in, held on by a wrench. That was a shaky ass truck. And, and I tied, I tied a rope underneath of it so the fuel pump and the yeah, fuel yeah. line would be able to stay put. <laughs> so I just have like a big old rope around my fuel, underneath the fuel tank and like, tighten it in so it wouldn't come loose that's what i did yeah that was a dope truck let's be honest here it was a cool truck it was a shit truck it was, it was a, cool a shit truck. truck if i had the money to replace everything in that thing i would have yeah okay but back anyway, to the anyway. back to the actual cool stuff here not talking about trucks point is is that you know air i i have a problem with this more of like sentimental value I also yeah. feel the same way with Armin here that, you know, I was hoping he'd have to go through some growth to get away with this. Exactly. You know, I instead of was... instead of just being, you know, let off the hook. I mean, I was talking about this a lot a couple of sections ago or a couple of episodes ago, and I was really hardcore about me thinking that it would just be in his head that's something that he has to work through. I thought he'd like learn something new or learn enough so that he could fix himself. Um which I thought would be a, like a point of character development for him, but no, nah, it's just gone. So my biggest thing, and, and so so now that I've, I've told... Drunk guys, kegs and eggs. Now that we have gotten rid of drunk people, um, we are... <laughs> the... Uh, I guess my thought process, after being annoyed with what is happening here and trying to look forward into this, I wonder if Aragorn's going to take more appreciation about himself. Not saying he didn't before, but to he's be going to—he's going to—he's going to. He does that pretty. He does that pretty quick off the bat. Oh yeah, this is what I've meant to be. This is what I was supposed to be, or something like that. Oh my god, that hey, I'm an elf man now. I know. You want to date me? You know, you ever heard that Frosted Flakes joke? Frosted Never tell you that joke. Frosted Flakes joke? No. All right. It's a real, it's a, it's just a time waster. Let's be honest here. But point is, is that it, all it is, is that there's this Frosted Flake that's frosted on both sides. And this is flake or mini wheat. Sorry. Frosted mini wheat that's frosted on both sides. And this is a wheat that's not frosted at all. Point is, is that he has to go get fully frosted before the frosted the fully frosted wheat would date him or whatever but point is is that uh, yeah every look on the face of you guys right now is probably the same as Armin's, but that's okay point is is that okay, it's, Ar- it's aragon here it, it's aragon here like you said just being like hey this is what makes us equal or this is what uh, makes yeah. it a lack of other words okay now and so it's just it's just I really hope he learns to appreciate himself and what, especially like, like the title of this chapter, the gift of the dragons 
have given it. You know, I just really hope he, yeah, yeah. you know, doesn't continue down this road of dumbness. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a cool section and I don't want to degrade that. And I know that we already, we, it's not like it was out of the blue. We knew it was coming. We knew that they were saying that he'd be, he'd become more elvish. Yes. But at the same time, it just solved all of his problems. And I have, I have an issue with that because his problems were making him a good character. Like now, if he's physically an elf, now he can beat the guy. If he's not injured anymore, the guy, I forgot his name. Um, Yeah. The near, um, now he's an elf. He can outmatch him physically, but like that wasn't the kidding. We haven't gotten there yet. I don't, I do believe he has some, but again, he's not full elf. So I don't know if he actually will yeah. be able to. But I really love the description of him, of uh, Polini here when he goes around the forest before he gets fucking yeah. shit on again uh, by Arya. He, uh, you know, of of his sense, of his senses being more in tune with nature. I love that. Yes, I that really do. Really cool and what I love more about it is that it's not just something he hadn't tried before. Yeah. With his practice that he's had, his, you know, like his, with Aramis telling him that, you know, everywhere you go, you need to be able to reach out and feel all that is around you. Having that practice, I believe, has helped him with this. You know, I believe his own practice has helped him. You know, it's this elven blood, I guess is the best way to put it there, that has helped his senses to be better. Not that he wasn't doing a good job at all, even to begin with, but it has helped yeah. him become better at it and i love that i just i think that's a great thing yeah it's a good it's a good point of continuity but it's it's just that same uh it just solved his problems yeah on now like that was a point of growth that he could have gone through that would have been really good now i understand uh before this happens do you believe that aragon as aragon before he had this transformation could have beaten Galbatorx with I his own strength or with severe strength with him. I think that he wouldn't have beaten him by strength. He would have beaten him by knowledge, which is a very archetypal hero thing to do, but would extremely fit with Aragon's character and with the prophecy of him. Okay. I still think like beating a char- beating a villain by strength is not very popular. You know why that is? Because these books appeal to us not being strong. Right. They appeal to us as readers not being the best at something. That's why the archetype is that we, the hero overcomes it by knowledge, by a rebirth, by some type of outsmarting the opponent. That's why us as readers enjoy these types of stories so much is because that's why winning by strength isn't a theme. Yeah. So I still, I'm still of the mindset that Aragon is going to have to learn something about Galvatorx or about Galvatorx's nature in order to defeat him. Yeah. Maybe the nature of Galvatorx's magic so that he can unravel it. But I don't think him being an elf is necessary for that. So, and physically, yes, so he does, so that he can compete with the other elves and with Galvatorx for that matter. But it's still, I think it, takes away from an end opportunity not saying that he can't do it now but it takes away from one opportunity for aragon to grow and learn more which is why i don't entirely 
love this development. It's a great one. It makes a lot of sense. It's really cool. It's just not really... Okay, I don't know where this is going. I don't know how this will end up. I just would have done it differently, which means that it's purely a matter of opinion and therefore not really... I mean, all of this is opinion. If y'all don't know that, then... This is like this is go back living in Iraq. This is our opinions. Like this is we have absolutely no relevance to Balini's work. So, in mine, it just seems like a missed opportunity because it's Balini. I know that it's not a missed opportunity. I know that he's gonna he's gonna capitalize on this later. But we have to talk about it. No. Yeah, we have to talk about it. We already know what happens. Everyone knows what happens. Ouch. Yep. I really shouldn't make fun of this because this does suck. But let's make fun of it because let's this, be honest, there's way too many times. I, I want to stop ripping on Aragon for being a dumbass. Nope. And then I mean, he goes and beats a dumbass. Uh, hey, babe, I'm a handsome elf man now. Will you date me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, Daddy's no worry. He had the eyebrows, little raise, and everything in that voice right That's there right. too. He yeah. did it. He did it all. Don't worry. I did, I did the eyebrow raise, and the, like the little like. If you aren't weak in the knees now, yes. I don't know what will do it for you. Oh God, no! This was just bad. I, I get the magic is still and the magic is still all in him. The magic is still around him. It's still being pulsed through his veins and everything like of, of the ceremony, not just him yeah. being a new, like an elf now. Yeah. You know, it, and, and I get it influences him, but dude, like you just oh, apologized. Yeah. And, and it's just, I don't know. It, what, okay. This is, this is what kind of annoys me a little bit. Ormus has talked about how, Aragon and Sephira should always have a connection. Yeah. But she leaves him? Not like, not like, you know what I mean? But like their connection's not there. Like, I, I do believe that if they had the connection still, Sephira could have stepped in the way. Maybe. Not not 100%, yeah. but like, yeah. so, but, but besides the point, that, that was just a little fact that I always, that kind of annoyed me that they're supposed to be connected or not. But the situation that, that Aragon has is just dude get a grip on yourself man like i don't it just it's just it's just sad like i i get wanting something that badly to make amends i i understand why he's doing this i also think that he's dumb because how many times he gotta get friend zoned to find out that no means no my guy like it's just, it's not how you look. She just doesn't let you do. It's just, dude, come on. Yeah. Get it. Uh, this is, I thought everything that he's done was very cringy. This is like super cringe because yeah. it's, it's after so many attempts and it's with such confidence. That's also a bad attempt. Like that yeah, whole like he literally, literally like you said, his whole 
message, his whole image now is that he's a dragon. Or the dragon. Yeah, I wish. Uh, he is. He's an elf. Yeah, and like he starts out with that line, just like he starts like spouting Shakespeare, talking about how beautiful all the nature is, and she is just, dude, no. As soon as he talked about how beautiful nature was, I knew I face palmed instantly. I yeah, it's that moment where you're just like, don't do it. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, that might work in situations where she hasn't hasn't friend zoned you yet. You might get friends with afterwards, but like, but after she's friends on you like five different times, and then you know, thrown stuff at you, broken your painting of her, like, dude, and actually broke into her apartment, gone through all her shit, read her and poem, handed her flowers, and dude, just beating you in a sword fight and traje, like, dude, just, just. Stop. Just... All right, we've talked about it. That's enough. I actually, one more point. I actually oh, come do... on. No, no, no. I do like how this is going. Like, I like that they're not together. You know why? Because Paolini is actively working against the savior complex. The what? The savior complex. Oh, my gosh, yes. Because, you know, Aragon saved from the prison could be the whole damsel in the stress thing. Woo, who they go get married? Nah. Okay. I want to meet that woman again that we had that came up to Aragon's nest in Trajim. Remember that? Not Nisueda. There's another. I know who you're talking about, yes. The, the weird the magical snake Arya, woman thing. Didn't Arya say that she was like. There's a rival faction trying to manipulate him. Oh, maybe. She might I don't be. know if that's the case. That might be wrong. I think that's what happened. Point is, is that I want to be her, or like I, just, I, with how much cringeworthy moments Aragon has gone through. Yeah. I want to give him a break. He need. I feel like we're just talking about our like friend who just got rejected again. He needs to get off or he needs to just go for someone else. It's bad. It's very bad. If he had a down bad chart, he'd be at the bottom. If he had what? A down bad chart. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen next with the Aragon section next time we come back to him? I honestly don't know. Like, I guess you can just go more training, more stuff. Like, well, if you realize we're coming close to the end of the book, we are. We're, I know. We're nearing the end of the book. We'll get it done in November. I'd say October, Maybe. but I'm not 100 percent sure about that because yeah, I don't no, know how many sections are left. But we'll get it done in November for the holidays. That's the goal. That's the goal. You have the chip guarantee stamp. I should don't. That's just a lie. Don't have that stamp anymore. Um, you gotta take that away because I'm not sure, 100 sure about that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, but fine. I don't know what's gonna happen with Aragon. I think he's gonna realize again. Okay, so he's gonna go through this emotional breakdown, da, 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 but he is gonna dive in more into what this Alvin power has given him. His blood. Yes. This, I, you know, I, I think, think he's gonna yeah. he's gonna go back. Like you said, he's gonna go defeat Vanier. He's gonna, you know, kick dirt in his face. He's gonna. Or he might lose again. He might. I think what's going to happen is that it's going to be a longer battle, and it's we're going to see that it's going to be more intricate. It's going to be more fierce. He still might lose, 
But it's not that he isn't at the same level now. He just has he yeah. just hasn't honed his abilities. Um, Ormus is going to train him harder, I believe. He's going to make sure he learns some other powers, maybe, or different magic, or maybe he's... I don't know. I do believe his own Aragons, own um, educational learning speed will be faster. I think he'll be able to yeah. understand yeah. and grasp things faster. So I think that's going to help in his um, in his education. Yeah. Before we go back to Warren. I'm looking forward to this theorem section of Warren. I'm very, very, very much looking forward to it. Dude, I can't wait. Because I think Don't get me wrong, shit has been hitting the fan ever since Roran has taken lead of Garber Hall, let's be honest the here. Last but, section was slow. Oh yeah, it was so like yes, you you killed guards at the door, but whatever. Right. Yes, you're becoming a worse and worse person at the expense of your morale. Like, like come it, on. We get it, we get it. Let's Don't, be honest here, his morale's getting pushed out the door more and more every oh, single yeah, it is. No, it's it's like interesting to watch. At the pace that we're reading, it feels so much more elongated. But yeah. But um, is, yes, looking forward to uh, that. Also, where's my man Murtaugh? I want him back. <sighs> I want him back. You sure? Yes. Positive? Yes. Absolutely positive. Honestly, I don't care if Murtaugh comes back as a villain. I want him back anyway. He'd be a fantastic <laughs> villain, too. <laughs> no, okay. So, guys, if you don't remember this, uh, uh, one of. Uh, Armin's predictions is Murtaugh or the twins serve as the bridge between the stories. Um, I don't know how much that is. I think uh, I think with the story going, I think Joe's going to be more of a tie. Yeah, right. I'm just going to say that, but I'm not 100% Wait, sure. Wait, did I say that too? Uh, you said Vorn will lead a full rebellion against the Empire with the possibility of meeting one of the Aragorn's friends from book one. Are you yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of there. Um, I think you're going to have uh, an incorrect, correct one type thing. And 18. Roran and company will solve the disappearing ship's plot point. Interior. Oh, yes. Um, those are the up and coming. Uh, in between all those, if everyone knows, uh, if, you have, if you don't know, uh, one of his earliest predictions, uh, Armin said Aragon's dad is an elf. How do you feel about that one? Honestly, I was actually just looking at that one. We haven't talked about Aragon's parents in at all this book. Uh, uh, talk about a little, little bit, bit, right? Like uh, the mother or something? Bit. Yeah, but yeah. still, we still don't know about her. We still have nothing about Aragon's dad. So I don't know about that one. I really don't. No. I don't know if that's going to be a thing. Um, I feel like it's going to come up at some other time. I just, I don't know. Yeah. Um, another one of predictions that are un... Uh, that are not resolved yet is Roran will fall in desperation and will betray Aragorn. When doing so, he will realize what he has become. How do you feel about that one? Right now, he is falling in desperation. That first part is like... Oh yeah, that's fact. Um, I think he'll unintentionally betray Aragorn. I still still feel like that could happen. Yeah. The way things are going. I think he'll, out of anger, hurt Aragorn in some way. I still think that is a possibility. And the last unresolved 
prediction is Arm or is Murtog ain't dead. No, he is not dead. Murtog ain't fucking dead. <sighs> there you have it, people. Unresolved predictions right now. I don't really have much more to say about this section. Yeah, it was, no, very, it was, good. It was a good section. It was a good section. Uh, there was a lot to unpack there, which is cool. Um, I believe that, you know, these last few sections, I think there's, I would say there's probably like five more sections we'll have to read through, given the amount of pages. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I think these last few sections are going to be a handful, and I can't wait. I'm dying to finish this book and get on to Brisinger. Everyone keeps saying this. Each book gets better. So, yeah. so far, you're true. Granted, we've only gone through book one and half, most of book two, but so far, you are being actual, you are being correct. Retired, y'all. Yes. <laughs> and Saturday, so we're just going to go watch a whole lot of football because that's what that's, Americans yes. do. Yes. Uh, and if you, uh, you don't know this, everyone should root for any SEC team because SEC is definitely by far the best. Unless they're playing the Irish. You can go suck it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I like the Irish, too. I like the Irish. Hey, Duke UNC today. Really? It's a 12, dude. You know where I'm going to be? I'm going to be on your... Yeah, this goes to show everyone. I'm going to be on Armin's parents' couch watching football. And I'm just going to walk in there and start watching. Your dad had me move the grill the other day. Did I tell you that? Oh, I'm... I'm not surprised. Oh, yeah. I'm not there to do it. Yeah. I'm going his lawn so, too next week. Oh, you caved. You caved. He's paying. Oh, that's fair. He's still caved. You said you weren't going to do it again. Yeah, but it's not as bad. It's not as like thick as it usually is. No. Well, fuck so, you. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, no, Georgia, Arkansas, UNC, Duke are both 12. Georgia. That's going to be good. The Georgia, Arkansas. That's going to be good. Oh, yeah. I'm going to make some sweet tea and wash them. Sounds good. Sounds good. I know your brother's really big into the football games this weekend, too. Feeling it. He'll be from like half an hour into them. Yep. And then he'll be like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Nah, I'm just ready for Cincinnati at 2.30. It's going to be fun. Cincinnati. It's going to be a rough game. They're good. Uh, All right, everyone. We're going to leave you with that. Yeah. Football. America. Yeah, heat. Any other last words, Armin? Uh, as always, thanks for listening and have a great day, y'all. That's a wrap. Flights and Allegasium is produced by Chip and Armin. Hosted by Chip and Armin. Graded by Chip and Armin. Edited by Chip. Music is by Oscar Barbeza. Website is by Chip. Illustrations are by Birdie Taylor. Thank you for listening and have a great day.